Yes, you can learn to work more effectively. And we can teach you how to shave off 10 hours of your work week. And yes, you can become the epitome of a woman balancing it all while being at the top. But it depends on you choosing to put your well-being first. Your job is to rewire your brain with the power of your own mind. That's what neuroplasticity is all about. That's what the human experience is all about. To uncover and rediscover what we are. Human beings, feeling and thinking beings. And by doing so, creating our experience from a moment-to-moment basis. Expand your consciousness into a world where mindfulness meets neuroscience. My name is Fernanda Lind, and I am your host. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Wired to Win show. Thank you for listening. Rewired Global is an international coaching powerhouse that helps women and men in leadership create sustainable success, make a difference in the world, and have more joyful careers and lives without burnout. Our revolutionary coaching program for top executives helps them rewire their brain and change their mental blueprint so they can achieve higher levels of performance, success, and fulfillment. In other words, Rewired Global is helping women take the lead by changing the way they think about success. Our worldwide clients are senior executives from diverse professional fields and industries, and most important of all, We love our clients. We go above and beyond to create a curated high-touch experience that changes not only their lives, but the lives of everyone around them. My mission for you, listening to this podcast right now, is to show you what's possible to help you become the most outstanding leader in your sphere. So with that, let's dive in into today's episode and have a conversation around well-being. People ask me all the time, How do you do it all? How do you build a company working full-time while raising three kids and not crumbling in the face of it all? My answer is always the same. I prioritize my well-being. How do I work effectively? I prioritize my well-being. How do I create what seems like the impossible? I prioritize my well-being. And I'm sure many of you listeners have a list of goals that you are working toward. Some of you may just have it in your head, others have it written down. If you were to examine that list right now, what sorts of things are on it? Because I can tell you that when I was, you know, in in the thick of my corporate career, my goals list was full of things like get the promotion and get a raise. And my personal goals weren't much better. Save for a bigger home, work out five times a week, just things like that. So many of my goals were tangible and very measurable, making them easy to work toward. And I could see at the end of a quarter, a year, or a decade how much progress I had made. Like promotion, check. Great salary, check. Nice house, check. Car, check. Vacations, double check. And I wasn't doing anything wrong. I mean, after all, this is what they told us, right? We were told to pick goals that were direct, measurable, and attainable. Those were good goals. And they pushed me to the top of my field. They pushed thousands of other women into leadership positions they had always deserved. But those goals come with a cost, and too often we're willing to pay any price to achieve them. And today I want to talk about that. I want to talk about 
C-suite well-being. I want to explain why the traditional idea of success, the idea of reaching the top as being the be-all, end-all magic ticket to happiness is just plain wrong. And I want to dispel the notion that a corner office or a six-figure salary guarantees well-being. And I want to teach you how to find true well-being. But first, we have to kind of understand how we got here to this place where we have all of the things we thought we wanted and we're still struggling to find happiness. The C-suite can be tracked back to the 1920s when businesses were growing more quickly than ever imagined possible. So this was no longer the general store on the corner. This was mass production, shareholders and regulators. So corporations began selecting a small executive team just to make critical decisions to allocate resources and monitor performance. And this C-suite was usually made up of finance-related CEO and a handful of other general managers. And it stayed this way, I would say, for nearly 60 years. But then in the 1980s, there was a big shift. These C-suites packed with general management weren't as effective because corporations were competing on so many different fronts. There was new technology to master, innovate, and roll out. Markets were becoming globalized. Production was being outsourced and marketing was expanding to new platforms. And so the C-suite grew. From the mid-80s to the mid-2000s, C-suites doubled in size. And the new additions were not general managers. They were functional managers. They specialized in an area. And now management was able to reach new depth. So it is hard to believe, but this was the first time the role of a chief financial officer or chief marketing officer was seen. And this era of C-suite leadership lasted a long time. A larger group of executives managing specific parts of the business. So, in theory, it works perfectly. Executives build incredible knowledge, skills, and experience in a focused area, and everyone in that functional line under them benefits. But, this is a big but, we are entering a new era of leadership. Because organizations are becoming much less black and white in their division of labor. There is a strong push for collaboration, interdependence, strategic innovation that just crosses these traditional barriers. We now see this need for greater alignment across the board while still needing those highly specialized roles. And what is the result, you might be wondering? Well, C-suite executives are being told they need to do it all, meaning provide highly specialized, in-depth leadership in our area of focus while also working collaboratively, cohesively with other departments and seeing the big picture for the entire organization. So there is pressure to extend your role, make higher level contributions, and adapt to changes instantly. And we're expected to do it all while at least maintaining our current level of effectiveness in our function. In a nutshell, that is where the C-suite is today. So our roles have gotten increasingly more challenging and demanding, and there's not much of an end in sight until a new variation of the C-suite emerges. And who is feeling the effects of this? Us. And are we compensated well? Sure. Are we awarded prestigious titles and nice offices? Yes. But does that mean that we are happy to continue like this? Hell no. 
And this is taking a toll on leaders' well-being in a very, very big way, in an entirely unsustainable way. A Deloitte survey of 2,100 employees and C-suite executives across the US, UK, Canada, and Australia revealed that 70% of the C-suite is seriously considering quitting for a job that better supports their well-being. I mean, just let that sink in. 70%. 70% of people who worked their way through their goal list landed at the very top and are working under their dream titles are considering quitting. I mean, it is pretty shocking, right? And there are many, many reasons for this. But first, all of those new expectations and demands are being placed on executives. Next, we're all still living through a global pandemic. I mean, restrictions have loosened, yeah? And we're hopefully all feeling safer and healthier at work than we did in 2020. But it is not over still. The collective trauma from both watching millions of our fellow humans suffer and die from a virus we knew very little about and the effects of the lockdown, it is still affecting us all. And it's also made us think about our well-being more, more than we have in years. There has been a global push advocating for mental health resources and a renewed interest in pursuing optimal physical health to increase our immune health and a big wake-up call that life is fragile. And the Deloitte survey also showed that 91% of respondents have goals for their well-being and 89% of the C-suite named improving their well-being a top priority this year. But there's another essential finding we can't ignore. 74% of those executives said the obstacles to wellness were tied to their job. In fact, the two most common complaints were heavy workload or stress and long work hours. And this is remarkable because it points to the fact that as things sit, more executives are realizing that having it all isn't an option. Something's got to give and that something should not be our well-being. So let's dig deeper into this data, okay? Because this is very important. Only 65% of C-suite executives surveyed by Deloitte said they had enough time for their friends and family. So just over under half of us in the C-suite are spending quality time with the people in our lives that are important to us and are taking our earned time off. And when we do take time off, we're just not fully recharging anyway. 73% of surveyed executives said they couldn't take time off and disconnect due to too much work and a desire to prove their dedication or lack of coverage. A quarter said their workload would be unmanageable when they returned if they fully clocked out. And I know this hits home for a lot of you listening. But let's talk about what that means for you. What does it do to your brain when you take time away from work without really disconnecting from your responsibilities? Well, Research published in the Journal of Applied Research and Quality of Life showed that when workers returned from a vacation that included stressful factors such as juggling work in a remote location, they were less happy and more stressed after returning. And they also reported lower energy levels at work than before they even went on vacation. So stressful vacations completely eliminate the positive benefits of time away. Huh. So it's no wonder we are not taking yeah, more time off. Vacations that are either left unused 
or resulting worse outcomes than just skipping them altogether are only one factor of this trend. C-suite executives are also working longer hours than ever before. Despite technological advances that allow us to do more work in less time, the average CEO works 60 hours a week. And if you haven't listened yet to one of the past episodes on working 60 hours a week and how to shave off 10 hours of your work week, please do so because it's an amazing episode. But here's the thing, right? Again, if the average CEO works 60 hours a week, and it's also not unusual to have stretches of working 120 hours a week during important projects and transitions, which is insane. And this is significant because workers putting in more than 50 hours a week or 10 hours per day have a higher chance of developing health problems. And these problems include heart disease, hypertension, diabetes, depression, anxiety, brain fog, fatigue. And people who work more than 50 hours per week are also more likely to engage in self-sabotaging behaviors like overeating, overdrinking, or using other kinds or other types of drugs. And are you ready for the worst part? A study from Stanford University showed that productivity per hour declines sharply when a person works more than 50 hours per week. So after 55 hours, productivity drops so much that putting in more hours is just pointless. The kicker in this, people who work up to 70 hours a week are still only accomplishing as much as someone who works 55 hours. So we are all being pressured into putting in these long hours that are destroying our well-being and failing to do much good for our corporations. I mean, ugh, are you all ready for a change? <laughs> good. <laughs> me too. Well, let me tell you how. But first, I want you to acknowledge that none of this is your fault. I mean, you did what our brains have been wired to do since childhood in this society put in a lot of work, as much as it, as it takes to rise as far as you can. And there is even a term for this, internalized capitalism. But now that we know better, it is time to do better. And that begins with rewiring our brains and our brain's relationship with work. We know that our brains are plastic, meaning brains can change. And even though we have internalized all the beliefs that have left us feeling like our worth is tied solely to what we produce, we can unlearn that and form new neural pathways. And that process begins with awareness. Awareness that your thinking has got to change. That without our thinking changing, it is really hard to change the system. Because sure, this is a systemic issue and we are here to change the way we lead. But I want you to ask yourself, does your worth as a leader change if you work less? Is your thinking still hardwired to overwork and overplease and overdeliver and work, 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 work until you crash and burn or simply walk away because it's unsustainable? Because this is where your well-being is crucial and making it a priority is a non-negotiable. When we show up at work exhausted, angry, maybe anxious, we're not being as effective as we could be. And it's far better to take the time we need to care for ourselves, for our mental well-being, so that we can, when we finally do show up, we are all in. 
Again, your inner state must change in order to create outer change. And what we have seen after working with hundreds and hundreds of clients is that a vacation is not going to cut it. And neither is a retreat to recharge. The brain has to change at a fundamental level to stop you from recreating the same patterns again and again. And this is what I truly need you to understand, that unless you change, unless your thinking changes, you will not be allowed to lead yourself or others differently. Your well-being begins with you, with your state of mind. And I want to end today's conversation looping back to the beginning of this episode and talk about goals. The, The question here is, do I have to sacrifice big professional goals in order to support my well-being? Or can I truly have it all? A powerful career and a fulfilling personal life. And my answer to that is, it depends. It depends on you. If you are willing to sacrifice your old mental habits that keep perpetuating the current state that you are in. Yes, you can become more resilient to handle it all and have more work-life balance. Yes, you can learn to work more effectively. And we can teach you how to shave off 10 hours of your work week. And yes, you can become the epitome of a woman balancing it all while being at the top. But it depends on you choosing to put your well-being first. And that might take you down a path where you will have to sacrifice goals that don't support your well-being. Because remember that if we step into something unsustainable, we will suffer This will be uncomfortable initially because it is the opposite of what our brains have been wired to believe. And sometimes we will have to pass on opportunities that others may call us crazy for refusing. We may have to turn down promotions because it might lead you to burnout that you won't be able to come back from. And we have to remember that well-being is our bargaining chip, not money. We must fight for our mental and physical health, not another zero on our paychecks. And we're also used to the world where corporations can ask anything of us as long as they pay enough. Yeah, We have to create one where we flip the script. So we must say things like, I will only accept the promotion if you can ensure my working hours will not change. And I can only take on that project if you assign some of my other duties elsewhere. And sometimes no bartering will be enough. And we have to say no things. And to get to that level of confidence and certainty and to that level of boundaries might be where your biggest rewiring has to happen. So it's at a very fundamental level. But here's what I know, that it will be the biggest return on your investment as putting your well-being first will pay off the most in the long run. And we all have limited time here on this planet, right? And do we want successful, fulfilling careers that help shape the future? Absolutely. But we also want more than that. And it doesn't make us any less worthy to admit it. No one will stand up at our funerals to talk about the time we worked 12 days in a row or how great it was that we made sure to answer our emails while we were on vacation, right? And here's what I want to leave you with, that your well-being matters. It's what matters the most, Your family, your team, your friends, everyone needs you to be at your best. And they all want you to be thriving and healthy. 
And I hope you all take some time over the following days and weeks to just consider your well-being. And I hope you will join me in taking steps to rewire your brain's relationship with work and worthiness around productivity. And most importantly, I hope that wherever you are, that you're having a fabulous day or evening. All right, friends, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like what you are hearing, make sure to leave a review over at Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. I hope I'm going to see you next time on the Wired to Win podcast. Bye, everyone. Bye.